Welcome into another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spilborgs. A couple of bits of news that we want to get to, but also, Spilly, uh, real quick, a little wrap-up from the weekend. You and I got to go to the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association Career Summit uh, in Las Vegas. Always fun to get some hang time, but I want to say this just so everybody knows, dude. You crushed hosting that, man. I was really proud of you. I was really impressed sitting there listening to your opening remarks and the way that you drew guys in right from the beginning, like some of that stuff can get long. It can get a little boring. Um, you were incredibly engaging uh, to kick that thing off, man. You crush it. I was proud of you. Proud to call you my Thanks, work buddy. and uh, pod partner, but that was really well done, man. So nice job by you for what is turning out to be a really great event that I love that major league baseball uh, participates in the alumni association, obviously as well, putting this thing on for former players. I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I will say one of my favorite parts about this this year's one, it was incredibly humbling and vulnerable. It was probably the most vulnerable the room has ever been. Uh, and, and a lot of that, you know, has to do with stuff behind the scenes with with what with with what happened uh, in a good way, in a good, positive way. And, and I think ultimately my favorite part, favorite, favorite part is that players remember that they're teammates, even if you mm. even if you haven't played um with with a certain team before so that's that's the part that makes it so enjoyable is that all these players realize that like man we are teammates in the game of life and uh, i got your back so that's that's the part that stands out the most yeah the connections are really fantastic mike myers former teammate of mine left-handed pitcher uh as i was talking to him and kind of catching up he goes man this has been my baby for a long time and they finally got it going. It was the fourth annual that got slowed down because of COVID, but something that was really important to him. So he deserves a lot of credit, as does the board for the Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association, uh, to get that thing going. It is so cool to see the guys, like you said, kind of everyone getting together, but more importantly, starting to do life after baseball and being able to lean on others and the resources that become available. So just a really cool uh, event. Fun to listen to Stephen Brault sing a little bit while we shared a drink and smoked a cigar, man. It was just a, a really, really uh, fun night. But that's that's neither here nor there. Let's get into some of the news real quick. This just happened. This is now Monday afternoon for you and I, uh, at least that I just saw. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies deciding to extend Rob Thompson by a year, uh, deservedly Good. so. Remember when, of course, he took the job over and then they extended him and they only extended him two years. And I remember that, of course, the same year we saw John Schneider get uh, extended by three years. And I was like, that's weird, man. Rob Thompson just took his team to the World Series and he only got um, the two-year extension. But the Philadelphia Phillies extending him by another year, one of our favorites, really impressive to watch. I love the way he goes about his business. Uh, but he will now be at least under contract with the Phillies through 2025. I love this for Rob. I, I think it's really important to have continuity within a clubhouse. You don't want to have multiple managers uh, year after year. I mean, like there's there's something to be said about establishing a culture which certainly they have it in philadelphia that's that's turned into probably one of the places cj like when i was down the stretch doing the apple games rockies games i had a chance to go into the philadelphia phillies clubhouse and i'll give you a quick example of of it just felt different and i've been i go to clubhouses all the time it's not just the rockies and the philadelphia phillies one just you could sense there was something a little bit different. A lot of it has to do with personnel. You know, it's not just like the manager set up this clubhouse chemistry or culture. So it's, you know, it's Bryce Harper, it's Bryson Stodd, it's it's Kyle Schwarber, it's a bunch of guys. But when you have a manager at the helm, 
that is kind of holding that group accountable and letting things fly, but also kind of reeling it in. So I'll give you an example. We get there on a Friday and I want to say it was Bobby Dickerson and Dickerson was, was he had the entire team out there and Topper was like, yeah, he's like, you know, the guys are going to go out and they're going to do a little early work, uh, some fielding stuff and some back picks that I want them working on. And I was like, dang, they're, they're going to do back picks in like PFPs in, in September. <laughs> so here they are, they're working on some back picks and everybody's out there. It wasn't like, you know, Bryce Harper was taking the day off because he's a superstar. Like everybody was out there, everybody. And that night it's second and third, two outs. They backpick the runner at second base and get the out out of the inning. And like, I was like, damn, that's what we're talking about. So the accountability that Topper's been able to have to allow his coaches to do their coaching thing, for the players to do their player thing, um, that clubhouse is unique. It's really unique, CJ. And so I do appreciate that he got uh, the one-year extension. Yeah, really cool for the Philadelphia Phillies to make sure that they got that done. Uh, I think it makes certainly uh, a ton of sense. Everything that's been going on there in Philadelphia ever since he took over has been uh, really positive. I had him as a coach with the Yankees early on in his big league coaching career all the way back in, in 2004. He's a very easy guy um, to root for. So good to see there with the Philadelphia Phillies and making sure that they get that done. Some news coming out of the winter meetings. Uh, kind of an interesting one. Okay, Bill, you want something else on Rob Thompson? No, I need, to, I need to go answer the door really quick. Hold on. I'll pause. Go ahead. You're good. All right, a little bit of news coming out of the winter meetings, and this is some big news for the Atlanta Braves and the Seattle Mariners getting together on a trade, and the big name coming across from Seattle to Atlanta is Jared Kelnick, and he really is such a fascinating guy ever since he got taken six over, sixth overall in the draft a few years ago by the New York Mets, of course, was traded uh, to the Mariners. Mets fans were furious, uh, and he has struggled to find consistency, but it appeared, of course, that the uh, Braves may have been in the market for a left fielder. We'll kind of get into that and how he may fit there. Um, but what I find interesting, not just that he is going to uh, Atlanta from Seattle, Marco Gonzalez also in that trade. However, it sounds like Marco Gonzalez may get moved almost immediately. That's what the early reports are uh, coming out of the winter meetings. Evan White also comes across, a guy who signed one of those team-friendly deals before he got to the big leagues. He has not been healthy or productive, so he may be a non-factor in this as well. It may be more about Atlanta taking the money, at least here in the short term. But on the Seattle Mariners side, real quick, the idea that they all of a sudden went through that season where they were striking out way too much Eugenio Suarez has been traded. Jared Kelnick has been traded. They did not offer the qualifying offer to Teoscar Hernandez. Those were three big problems they had. Julio Rodriguez was the other one. When I say problems, I just mean from the swing and miss standpoint. You and I talked about this on MLB Network Radio. The one thing that I always wonder is that, you know, was Jerry DePoto surprised that these guys struck out as much as they did, or was it worse than they expected? Either way, they have addressed this problem directly in a pretty big way by eliminating three of the guys that were part of the problem when it came to the swings and misses and all those strikeouts. Jerry Kelnick, the latest to move on from Seattle. Yeah, so this one's not being received well from the Seattle Mariners at all, or so, Seattle Mariners fan base at all. Uh, even with freeing up some capital, it doesn't feel very good. I mean, like maybe they land a Blake Snell and they bring him back to Seattle, which would be nice. And as part of, of you know, shuffling the deck, Evan White didn't have a position with the Mariners anymore. So it, it felt like, okay, that, that would make sense. The Kelnick one, look, I, I, I understand when players have this ceiling and everyone's waiting for you to get to it. 
I also don't mind when you just move on from it. Like I I'm okay with that. And, and in the case of what the Mariners are doing, you know, even moving on from, from Marco Gonzalez, who is dealing with some shoulder issues and some injuries. Um, I think this one makes a lot of sense, right? It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know what the big picture is. And it does feel a little bit frustrating from this standpoint in that the Mariners, if it, if it, it's like, they're, they're so wishy-washy on what they want to do with their roster. They want power. They want athleticism. They get punch out, blow it up. You know, like they went mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, they went defense, defense, contact didn't work. They couldn't score a squat, blow it up. So I don't, you know, like they, it feels like they're the mad scientist of, of, of baseball, but without any like true rudder, like if it works, it works. And if it does the next year, blow it up. So I don't, mm-hmm. I think that's the part where Jerry DePoto and the whole 54%, you know, win percentage over the course of time. That's how you get to the postseason more often. If you get to the postseason more often, you increase the likelihood that you win a world series. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, they had the postseason in 2022. They had the Astros up against the wall. They couldn't score a run because they struck out a little bit too much. And, you know, you don't, you were in first place. They were in first place in September. Fell short yeah. against mm-hmm. the Astros. Couldn't couldn't put a run across because they kept striking out. They were legitimately, you had Ayuno Suarez, uh, Julio, and then you had Teoscar, three righties in a row. You bring in a right-hander that had a, a slider and a, and a decent fastball. It was a dead inning. Dead inning. Yeah. It was crazy. I'm like, here, mm-hmm. I'll just throw a right-hander with the slider and we'll get out of it. One, two, three. So I think the frustrating part for me, CJ, is it feels like they have the right combination when it comes to their pitching staff. Nobody's thrown more strikes. They command the strike zone as well as any pitching staff in baseball. But then they can't figure out the position player side. And that's where I don't know what they're doing. You know, like, go get J.D. Martinez or... You know, like maybe this is the Cody, like this, this to me feels like Cody Bellinger's landing spot, mm. you know, like do that do and then stick with it, stick with your process. Uh, Cause it just feels so wishy-washy. Yep. No, I think it's, it's fair. The criticism is fair until the off season is finished, right? Until the big move, then that follows. They're about $20 million less right now on payroll than where they were a year ago. They certainly have emptied out a decent amount. Now, apparently some money is going from Seattle to Atlanta, uh, in this deal as well. We don't know how we don't have all the uh, final numbers there, but at least we know some money is going uh, their way. And what they do next is really important. They st- now they need a DH. Now they need a left fielder and uh, big moves and the pressure is going to be all over. And they need a right fielder for that matter, all over uh, the Seattle Mariners right now uh, going forward. And we certainly will keep an eye on that. And it will be up to Jerry DePoto uh, to make those fans a little happier. What I find interesting is whether or not he reacts to the way things ended in Cal Raleigh in those comments or whether they're just going to stick with their plan and stay focused on what they want to do. And as the way that this offseason has started, uh, that is not going to keep your fans uh, very happy. Flip side real quick for Atlanta, too. Uh, Jared Kelnick is not necessarily going in and becoming the starting left fielder. They had talked about Vaughn Grissom as a possibility. He's playing winter ball in Puerto Rico right now and learning the outfield. Uh, Jared Kelnick has had his ups. He's had his downs. He got off to a good start this year, started to struggle. Kicked a cooler in July, missed some time, didn't hit a home run over his last 179 plate appearances after what was really an amazing April and looking like he was finally figuring it out. I wonder how 
how he fits in from a couple of different ways. One, it sounds like they're going to have still have some kind of competition in left. They could do a platoon if they wanted to uh, for Kelnick being a left-handed hitter and Vaughn Grissom being a right-handed hitter. That certainly is uh, a possibility. But the thing that I noticed with him and watching him as much as I did calling games for the Rangers was the mental part of it and how hard he was on himself all the time. He seemed to me from the outside, a guy that never gave himself credit when things went right, but really beat himself up badly when things went wrong. And we saw this, you and I talked about it earlier, watching him kind of versus Julio Rodriguez. Julio comes in, he gets the big contract. He's the big star. Julio got off to a really slow start and Kelnick got off to a hot start. And it's like, okay, maybe Kelnick's now feeling that moment. Like he's kind of ready to be the man. And then it went South again. Julio finished great. All the good things that happened for Julio Rodriguez this year. When you go to a team that is already filled and locked in with a bunch of stars, the way the Braves are, and they're still relatively young, you think it makes it easier or harder for a guy like Kelnick to try to, again, still really establish himself because he hasn't done it over a full season yet? It's a great question. I, I think with this team, it should be easier. I, I think knowing how the Braves operate, Kelnick's going to be in the lineup hitting eighth every single day. He's going to get chances against you know left-handed pitching until he proves he can't hit. And then he gets an opportunity to just like just be a part of a team like nobody cares what you do, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. the pressures on Acuna and Albies and Riley and Olsen and hopefully Shoei Otani and Michael Harris <laughs> and Sean and Sean Murphy. And then you're you're Jared Kelnick. And like I wouldn't I would not trade Jared Kelnick if I'm the Atlanta Braves because you have a year less than two years of service time. Yeah. Yeah, I believe you have one option left, so you can send it down to the minor leagues if you needed to. Uh, the 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 ceiling has been there, but it's never really been there because he's never done it at the major league level. And you could just let him be, like for a, for an extended period of time, like, like just let him go. He's never had a full season to just play. So I love the chance. I love like imagine you. It doesn't even matter if you have Jared Kelnick's skill set. If I had this opportunity with my skill set, who's nowhere even near him, knowing I'm going to play left and I'm just going to bang and hit and, and play the best defense I possibly can. And I just get to take my quality at bats, just try to hit the ball hard, work a walk. If there's a walk there, I, I would get, I would, I would bet my, the world that my offensive numbers would go through the roof. I would be so much better than league average because I'm in a lineup where I don't, nobody cares what I do. Like mm-hmm. legit, nobody cares what I do. Anything that I did is a positive. So everything, every single day is a positive reinforcement. Bam. Hey, good at bats, Billy. Thanks, man. Sick defense, Billy. Thanks, man. I'm part of a winning team. I'm part of a hundred win team. Like your confidence should be through the roof, through the roof with should help. zero pressure. Yeah, I I think you're right, and that's what I'm kind of hoping for him because I've I've started to almost feel bad for him when I see how stressed out he gets, and then all the emotion we saw after he kicked the cooler and realizing he let the team down. Saw a very emotional press conference from Jared Kelnick, and so sixth overall pick, and now here he is, uh, 13th after going from the Mets to the Mariners to the Braves with plenty of time left. And you're right, he does have one option left. He's 24 years old. There's five years of control. Uh, hopefully, this is the place that he could get it done. Certainly could add a very nice amount of pop to an already great lineup, but do it at the very bottom 
of the lineup, which is kind of amazing. They get a good version of Jared Kelnick. Uh, that lineup has only uh, gotten better right now in Atlanta. Let's go to one more story here before we get out of here, and that is the news that it has finally become official for the Milwaukee Brewers in signing Jackson Churio to an eight-year extension, a 19-year-old kid who has never uh, played in the big leagues, but everybody obviously believing uh, that he will be a star. This is a record as far as a contract goes uh, for a player who has not reached a big league level. It is $82 million. There are also two option years on there for 32 and 33, meaning 2032 and 2033. You and I were talking about that, whether or not he is selling himself short. Uh, but there are some incentives in there that could max this deal out at $142.5 million, and still he would become a free agent. Uh, at around 30 years old or going into his age 30 season. This is kind of exciting. I got to believe it is for the uh, Brewers fans right now. I know so far it's been more of a subtraction kind of offseason. Uh, I also wonder what this means and the idea of maybe trading any of those pitchers that we've talked about, certainly Corbin Burns being one of them. This certainly comes with some risk. And the Brewers are a team that really can't afford to miss. You know, quite often when it comes to deals, uh, they obviously have a lot of confidence in this kid, and uh, he believes that he's got a chance. He's going to try and do everything he can to make that team on opening day uh, with just six games played above double A uh, last year. But this kid looks pretty special. He does look special. I also, you know, when it comes to what, what the comps are, they're they're saying Ronald Acuna. Pump the brakes. Yikes. Pump the brakes, pump the brakes on Acuna. Um, I also believe, you know, with what the Brewers were able to accomplish, having a young, controllable player that has this upside, again, like, my question always is when the team does a deal like this, is who's in a hurry to get this deal done? Like, who does this deal benefit the most? Does it benefit mm. the organization because they've tied up a player for eight years and, and possibly $82 million or, or with those escalators, if they take those options to one, what, 142. Yeah. So is it a benefit for the Brewers to be able to have this player controlled for that amount of time? Does it benefit the player? You know, like now you get to relax and you know that you're, you're taking care for, for forever. You're going to get hopefully eight years, 10 years of service time, which is a dream for every player. And you have a chance to be a superstar without having to like really be worried about, you know, platform years and all these different things. So mm -hmm. we'll just take the pressure off of you to just go out and play again, using like use Jared Kelnick as an example. How can you get Churio to feel like he's Jared Kelnick to where you could just go out and play, just mm -hmm. go out and do your thing. Just go out and be a good teammate. Just go out and get your work done. We'll figure out. Like you've never experienced a full season, so you're gonna hit the you're gonna hit a wall at some point. You know how are we gonna train you in the off season so that you you get better? How do we make you more efficient with your routes? How do we make you more efficient with your at bats? Like that's such a learning curve at the major league level without having to worry about results and wins and losses. I don't think you can do all that. That's so much pressure. You just instantly became the face of the franchise. So you really have to have a support system around this guy. I think Christian Yelich is going to be a great person to have. Um, and so, like, you do have a guy in Yelich who's still the the high-money guy on the team, but as an as a fellow outfielder, here's the guy that can kind of brace you, take you under your wing, you know, kind of, I don't want to say break you in because you're not breaking in this kid, but given the, given the highs and the yeah. lows, like, this is how we do things. Like, this is not how we do things. And when I'm gone, this is going to be your clubhouse or we can, I can show you how to do it. Use your personality, be you, but like, 
you still have to earn it. And it's not just that you earn it because of this contract. You're earning it from your teammates. Like mm-hmm. you just don't get instant cred by signing a contract. You know that CJ, you, yeah. you earn your credibility from your teammates based on how you work, how you treat people, how you do when you're successful, how you do when you fail. That's how you do it. And that takes time. And he's never done it yet. So we'll see what kind of personality he is, you know, to your point about, I love the, the, the contrast between Kelnick and this kid um, embrace the wins, you know, embrace the losses, you know, admit the failures, admit the successes. Uh, and I think he'll be just fine. Willie Adamas and Jackson Churio go out for lunch in spring training. Who picks up the tab? Willie Adamas at first. <laughs> at first, I know it's kind of crazy, right? Of course, he's making really good money. Uh, he said it to his final year of arbitration, but it's just kind of nuts to think uh, for a guy like Willie Adamas. I think he made about eight million uh, last year. They're anticipating about twelve this year, and he's going to go hang out with a kid and try to bring him along, who's guaranteed uh, eighty-two million dollars, even if he's terrible. Uh, kind of wild. Maybe nobody buying him a suit anymore, like in the old days. But it's a cool story. Uh, good for the Brewers, certainly. Uh, last quick note: Congratulations to Jim. Leland for getting into uh, yes. the Hall of Fame, the one member to get in. Uh, and that committee, Lou Pinella, falling a, vo- a vote short again, uh, which is unfortunate, but everybody's celebrating the great career of Jim Leland. Yeah, and I, I, I could understand why uh, Pinella falls short. I think him and uh, Cito Gaston, I, like, I think highly of, of Bill White, Cito Gaston. Uh, like, I mean, that's a, that's a yeah. pretty cool uh, group. He had, he had Cowboy Joe, so Ed Montague. I mean, there's a lot of great names I was really happy for Jim Leland. If you've spent any time with Jim Leland, he is the epitome of how you would picture a major league manager. I mean, like he's just kind of gruff, knows the game inside and out, attention to detail. Like he just looks the part. He he was the part. He was a part of a historic Pittsburgh Pirates team. He's he was part of a Detroit Tigers team. He was actually a Colorado Rocky manager for one year. So I'm hoping he puts on a Rockies hat when he goes in. So we get two, <laughs> uh, but I doubt, <laughs> I doubt that. Yeah. Uh, really happy for Jim Leland. He is, he is like, a, he's always like a caricature, like a Tommy. He was like a Tommy Lasorda, but when, mm-hmm. and, and like people don't realize what kind of edge Lasorda had Leland, <laughs> Leland, oh, yeah. Bobby Cox, Lasorda. These are kind of those characters of baseball where you're like, yeah, you need to be in the Hall of Fame. That video of him airing out Barry Bonds when he was yelling at him when they were both in Pittsburgh is fantastic. You love it. Like he's one of those guys, and not that any manager really is intimidated by a star, uh, but he is not afraid uh, to tear into the biggest star or the youngest player. It doesn't matter. A little bit of a throwback to how things uh, used to be. We may not see those kinds of things anymore, but congratulations to Jim Leland and his family. A really cool moment for him. He will go into Cooperstown this summer. That'll do it for us right here on Negative War Positive Vibes. We are in the middle of the winter meetings right now. Spilly and I don't have a show on Loud Outside MLB Network Radio until Wednesday. So if anything big pops uh, pops before then, uh, we will absolutely sit down and put a pod together. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Negative War Positive Vibes Podcast.